Almost Awakened podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality with your hosts, Brittany Hartley and Bill Reel. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no-nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org, where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources we shared. And now, today's podcast episode. Hey everybody, it's Britt. Um, I wanted to hop on here. Bill really wanted to be here, but I'm uh, coming home late from the hospital and I just have a few minutes, um, so I thought I would hop on and update everyone. Um, my daughter on Sunday, my three-year-old, um, fell out of a window onto her head and suffered a traumatic brain injury. Um, it's now Friday that I'm that I'm recording this. Um, as I got home from the hospital today, um, she's still not breathing on her own. She's not moving on her left side. She's um, sedated now. Skull fractures. I mean, I'm I'm in it. I'm on I'm on the struggle bus. Um, and I wanted to talk, I wanted to do a few things. So first of all, I just want to announce what's happening with the podcast, um, as I'm, uh, kind of tying loose ends and, um, planning for the future. And then I also want to talk specifically to this audience who's really been with me in my faith journey and these discussions in spirituality. And I just wanted to share some thoughts as I'm processing this. And so this is my platform where I, where I share things, and so I'm appreciating um, just the time to say what's on my mind. So first of all, I will be stepping away from the podcast for the summer. Um, It looks like we'll have to, after we have some time in the ICU, that we'll probably be heading to Salt Lake to to focus on recovery. And at the beginning when Bill, who was so sweet and, you know, just really checking in on me often, you know, he said, do you just want to end the podcast or step away? And at the beginning I said, no, because Bill and I don't do spirituality as a side gig, right? Like this is our real life. This is our relationships and our meaning of life. And spirituality really infuses everything that we do and who we are. And so at the beginning, I said, no, I really want to continue with the podcast because this is my real life. And Bill and I were committed to um, showing what spirituality looks like raw and honest and in real life situations and not you know, as a side gig that you only do once in a while, right? Um, and that was my that was my intent. But as I'm seeing kind of the the damage that we're looking at and the needs of my family, and also I'm kind of noticing my own trauma brain. Um, and you'll notice I'm not as articulate and verbose as I usually am. It's very strange to start a sentence and lose my train of thought in the middle of that sentence uh, because my brain is also being affected by the trauma. I just feel like I can't hold on to my thoughts as well and I just can't complete clear sentences. I would be a terrible, you know, guest host even if I were to try to continue this. So um, I did want to announce that I'm, I'm stepping away for however long that my family needs me to do that. Um, And then I wanted to move on just to share some thoughts specifically for, 
you know, the people who have been with me as a part of my spiritual journey. And I'm just, you know, processing this as I go. And the first thing that I really noticed um, is because of the faith transitions I've gone through, which I've been very honest about on this podcast, losing my faith in a religion, losing faith in God, losing my sense of free will, losing my sense of self. Like, I lost a lot as I asked really big questions. But the beauty of that that I'm really experiencing is I'm sensing within myself a lack of resistance to whatever it is, whatever my daughter's future looks like. Um, even when we were in some really dark and unstable places um, in the past week, I feel that because of what I've gone through, I don't have any resistance left as far as this is the way that the world should be. This is the way that things should be. This is the way, this is what would be fair. This is what I deserve, right? And what Buddhism calls this is the difference between the first arrow and second arrow. Now, I am knee-deep, elbow-deep in first arrow pains, seeing my daughter in the ICU and sitting with her, not knowing what it's going to be like when she wakes up. Those are first arrow pains, and there is nothing that can make those pains not be. It's a part of being human. That was what I took on in being a mother. But the second arrow pains, which are, it wasn't supposed to be this way. I had a plan for how it was supposed to be. Um, Why is God doing this to me, right? All the stories and all the resistance to what is, I'm finding that that chatter is really, really quiet. Much quieter than it used to be in other traumatic, you know, times in my life that I've gone through. And so I've, I've really been, as I'm just kind of watching myself go through this, just kind of checking in with myself, I'm really um, appreciative of all the work that I've done to um, let go of the resistance to the way things are. And that was, that was painful. Th- those moments were painful to let go of, you know, the world could have been better than what it is. But the beauty of that, the other side of that, is that I just naturally feel less resistance to whatever my future looks like with this child. And so that to me is a great blessing, a great blessing that I've been practicing little by little, deconstruction by deconstruction, a little meditation here, a little bit of Buddhist wisdom there, and um, that's given me a lot of peace. The kind of peace that people get when they really believe that there's, you know, there's a plan and so it's all going to be okay. It's like that, but without the bad theology. It's this, it's just this okayness with whatever is. So that's been um, a change, a, a difference in me since, you know, the last times that I was dealing with something traumatic. Something else that I'm really grateful for is that a few years ago, I'm going to go back maybe four or five years, I um, felt really lonely and knew that I needed to make friends and find a better tribe. And if this situation had happened then, I would have been really struggling um, because I would have been outside kind of the boundaries of what my religious institution could have provided um, because, I, I, you know, I was not attending. But then I also didn't replace that tribe at that time. I didn't have people. And someone asked on the podcast weeks ago, 
why do you need to build a tribe if you have a significant other that you really enjoy being around? And I was thinking of that comment this week, whoever it was that said it, because um, I'm so overwhelmed with gratitude that I had the privilege and opportunity to rebuild a tribe. And so that when this happened, you know, five years after having that intention of, of building that into my life, um, you know, the meals and the childcare and the help and the texts and the, um, someone came over and cleaned my house and someone mowed my yard and better care than I would have ever got in my Mormon ward. People who genuinely know me and drop off almond M&Ms because they know that that is my thing or, um, gen, yeah, just genuinely know me and not just treat me like a, you know, a check mark, but actually sit with me as I process or as I cry or as I need things. And that is why we need tribes, um, because we need that from one another and they've, my tribe has really carried me and I'm just so grateful for that. I'm, I'm grateful that I've had the opportunity and it's, it, you know, it's been five years since I've, I've tried to build that into my life and I'm so glad that I did because I'd be really struggling without it. I do want to go on a little tangent here. And again, this is just me processing. I'm just, I'm talking things out. You're my therapist right now until I can get myself into therapy. <laughs> um, I'm really interested in how prayer is such a helpful ritual for people. I've been surrounded by a lot of um, messages of prayer and also prayer directly. And um you know, it's it's not a ritual that I do anymore or that I've found comfort in, but I've just been really um, thinking about this prayer ritual because I'm I'm engrossed in it right now, right? By by well-meaning and well-loving people, and I love this bit by Ricky Gervais. This was in his latest um, this was in his latest Netflix stand-up, and he says, you know, I, he says I have the I have the best friends who are Christian and Muslim and Jewish. And when they say, I'll pray for you, he says, thank you, because that's genuinely, that's how, that's how people say, believers say, you know, I, I love you and I'm thinking of you and I hope the best for you. And that's the language that they say it in. And that's lovely. And then he says, um, but don't cancel, don't cancel the chemotherapy, right? Is like the joke in the bit. Say the prayers, but don't cancel the chemotherapy. And so... What's interesting to me as I'm surrounded by prayer at a time like this is that people aren't just expressing that they are thinking of me, which I take as a, a compliment. I'm not going to go on a rant. I'm certainly not going to say, please don't do that because I don't think you want to, you know, I'm not going to be rude about that. It's, it's genuinely um, someone sharing love with me. And I'm not going to, I have no intention of shutting that down. But the interesting thing for me is that I, as the prayers are coming in, I'm also getting very interesting theology because emergencies are just this these cesspools of bad theology because we get really superstitious, right? We want things to go well. And I've just been thinking about that because, you know, that's that's me. I'm always kind of analyzing things and it's just how I'm, it's just one of the things that I'm processing, right? 
And so someone would say something like, you know, I've, I've got a big prayer train going. I've got a lot of people on this. You know, I, I really have faith Jesus is going to heal her. And to me, that's different. That's different than just, you know, I'm sending my thoughts and prayers and love. That's like a, that's a, that's a truth claim. You're really gathering people in hopes that it'll be enough people that Jesus is going to heal her. And then it's almost this kind of fortune telling. And then if Jesus doesn't heal her, does that mean that Jesus wanted her? Or, you know, and then also if Jesus is involved, does Jesus know that I'm kind of like at this point a public blasphemer? Um, so do your, do the prayers count more than like my blasphemy? You know, obviously when you start to think about this, like the theology starts to break down really quickly. And so the interesting thing is that I'm watching people use this ritual and it really is statistically better than nothing. And so I was reading, um, this was weeks ago, Bill and I were going to talk about this at some point, but we were reading about um, neurotheology, which is what is religion and God doing to our brain? And it was talking about how um, this resource that I'll, that I'll have Bill link in the comments, but um, it was talking about how religions have indirect mechanisms of good mental health and direct mechanisms of good mental health. So some of the indirect mechanisms are you know, you should go to church, but then the indirect benefit is that it's beneficial because you have social support and social support is really good for your mental health. That's an indirect relationship to better mental health by going to church, right? Um, most religions also teach people to avoid really high risk behaviors, especially when you're younger and your brain is developing. So, you know, avoiding drugs or you know, being too promiscuous and this and that, trying to be a good person, values, these are all indirect mechanisms where it doesn't matter or not if the religion is true because the indirect effect is good for your mental health. Another one has to do with diet and nutrition. Most religions, especially, um, and for sure the Abrahamic ones, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, um, you know, have limits to diet and nutrition, which can also help your mental health. And then there's some things that are direct mechanisms that faith and God and religions do that actually show benefits to mental health. And one of those is meditation and prayer. And so when someone is praying, especially this kind of meditative form of prayer, chanting, um, people who pray, who really just kind of pour out their soul and talk it out. Um, the study was showing that it was like a 15% improvement in cognition, as well as reducing stress, anxiety, and depression associated with changes in your frontal lobe functions, regulating your emotional response, regulating your cognitive responses, um, releases of dopamine and serotonin, um, going to like a spiritual retreat has these huge benefits to your brain if you go and you have times to go outside and pray and meditate. Um, very good uh, studies for doing that for depression and anxiety, ADHD, even things like Alzheimer's. And then also a direct connection we have is a personal sense of spirituality that you feel connected to all of humanity, that your life has meaning and purpose, that you have some way to put suffering into meaning and purpose. 
um, that you are optimistic that whatever the future holds, there's good things to come. All of these show that these are beneficial to overall physical and mental health. And so as I've been thinking about prayer this week, as I've really just been surrounded by prayer, which is new for me, I haven't been surrounded by prayer in a long time. When people say that they feel better and they feel at peace after they pray or after they pray for you, they aren't lying. This isn't um, just a sugar cube placebo. We have science and shows the data that there's something about meditating, stopping, saying the words out loud, taking quiet time, whatever it is that we're doing when we're meditating and praying that helps our brains to cope. And so this is why I love Stephen Fry. He's one of my favorite atheists. And Stephen Fry calls himself an empiricist versus a rationalist. And he um, uses the story about hand washing. So I think this story comes from the 1700s, the 18th century. And uh, they're doing you know, tests in this hospital, how to improve birth rates. And one of the teams washes their hands and, you know, all of a sudden people in surgery stop dying so much. And the rationalists, if you were a rationalist, they had no germ theory or they had no reason to believe that this worked for any reason that they could understand. And so you just throw the data away because that just seems like a blip. Why, why would that be? You know, we don't have any reason to believe that that would help. And an empiricist would say, but the data is showing that there's something here. So maybe let's like work with it a little bit longer. And uh, another story he tells, because he's such a great storyteller, is, um, you know, if if you had someone like the president of the, the United States, it'd be really great if they had to walk up to a statue of George Washington and say, and just talk out everything that they did for the country that week. And a rationalist would say, well, that's not actually doing anything because George Washington is dead and this is just a symbolic thing and it's not really doing anything. But an empiricist would say, yeah, but it symbolically forces a president to look someone in the eye and say what they did for the country for the week or whatever. And so this is why I love Stephen Fry. He's not too quick to throw away um, things that seem to be working that we actually need to pay attention to, even if we don't really have reasons for it in the sense that, you know, we can't really make sense of how God would answer prayer. Can't really make sense of that. It seems to be a lot of suffering even for the people who are praying. But there's something to prayer and believing that something good can happen out of ev- out of any situation and um, really thinking about a friend and saying out loud your intention to help them can help you subconsciously think of things that would later be helpful. And so what you have to do if you're, you know, more secularly spiritual like I am, is you still have to remove that tool out of bad theology because the bad theology causes a lot of suffering and inner chatter about what is God going to do about this or I'm going to pray but how can I word this prayer so that there's like an out so that or do I should I pray more because if I have enough faith then God will hear all that inner chatter of like how to pray right to make something happen we don't have to play that game that is a bad it's a bad game to play that causes a lot of suffering especially in times of emergency but there is something to prayer and meditation that really does scientifically 
soothe people, help people, process emotions, help your brain. Um, and so I've been watching those, those benefits by people around me and also trying to make sure I schedule time for my own meditation so that I can still access that tool without having to go back to what I call bad theology, which caused a lot of suffering and a lot of chatter in my brain about how to do this right so that God will answer my prayer and whatnot. And so this is why I'm so interested in, you know, this applied neurotheology. It's teaching us how to pull out the religious and spiritual tools as a way of improving our mental health and well-being. Because prayer isn't just, you know, sometimes atheists will make fun of people who pray as if as if they're talking to Zeus and we can just laugh and mock at it. But that's not what this that's not what the data shows. The data shows it's actually doing something that helps people cope. And I don't necessarily want to take that from people, especially during times of trauma. I just for me personally want to pull that pull that tool, that helpful processing tool out of bad theology that causes suffering. So I've just been thinking about lately. So for now, um, I'm grateful for my tribe. I'm grateful for all the work that I've done in deconstruction when people, sometimes when, sometimes when you're in deconstruction, you wonder why, if it's worth it or why it's worth it. And going through this on the other side of deconstruction, I just, I have a lot more peace. I have a lot less resistance. I have a lot more acceptance. Um, I'm able to sit with, with my emotions and ride those better. Um, I know that the work that I've done in, in deconstructing hasn't just, that pain has not been for nothing. It's brought me, it's brought me comforts and tools even in this situation of, of really intense trauma for me. I'm, I am experiencing trauma brain, um, you know, the tiredness and, and all the things that you would expect. Um, I wanted to share this because spirituality, this is my real life. This isn't something I do on the side. And I wanted to show that it really is invaluable to rebuild your spiritual spirituality after religion. Because if I would have gone through this, you know, moments after I had a faith crisis 10, over 10 years ago now, with no beliefs and no tools of spirituality that I could even trust because I'm triggered by everything and no tribe and no people and no, you know, sense of self and, and no, you know, meditation practices. If I would have gone through that, then I, I would have really, really suffered a lot more. A lot more of that second arrow suffering. You can look up that story. Noah Rochetta on the podcast shared that story about the first arrow and the second arrow. It's probably the most famous Buddhist story about suffering. My brain isn't working, so I wouldn't be able to tell that story really well. But I think most of you have heard it before. Um, And so I just wanted to share where I'm at right now because this podcast is is real and not just a side gig and i wanted to show you that it is invaluable to rebuild spirituality after religion because if you really turn away from tools that help you in times of crisis it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna hurt more (laughs) it's it's gonna cause a lot of suffering and i haven't done that perfectly um but i am glad for the work I have done and that I'm in a good place in my own spiritual life to be able to handle the up and ups and downs of real life 
tomorrow. It's likely that we'll try to wake up my daughter for the first time in a week. I have no idea what's going to happen. No idea. So when I talk about ups and downs of real life, I'm in it. I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. But being in a good place in your spiritual life, even without the foundation of religion, even without the foundation of God, you can still come to a good place and rebuild all that so that you can handle those ups and downs. Um, I think, you know, I'm not handling it perfect. There's things that I wish I could be doing better. Um, I wish, you know, I wish my brain could be processing a little bit better. There's lots of things that, you know, it's it's not perfect, but um, I feel really, really good and stable in my spiritual life to be able to handle whatever's going to come tomorrow. Uh, For those who um, want to donate, this feels... Maybe this is like my Mormonness coming out. Like I feel really uncomfortable talking about this because I just, you know, there's there's lots of causes in the world, worthy causes. Um, and I come from a place where, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be homeless or anything like that. But f- I do know that there's people in my life who genuinely care about me and want to help. And so if you do want to help... Um, I'd really love to know that the podcast is alive and well while I'm gone because I'm proud of the conversations that we've had here. I'd be really sad to, you know, lose the momentum of of this podcast as I step away. So Bill is going to continue the good work and hopefully bring on some guest hosts as well to keep these conversations going because I really learned this week that in times of crisis, I'm so aware of how important these conversations are for rebuilding all the tools that religion has provided humanity for thousands of years. I am so much more aware this week of how important that is. And so I want this I want these conversations to continue because they've helped me. They've helped me uh, feel more stable as I'm going through this. And so if you'd like to um, donate, um, you can donate to the podcast. And Bill has been really great about forwarding those funds to me. I have a fund um, that a friend of mine is helping me gather um, as we're starting to see what our family is going to look like as far as um, going down to Salt Lake City uh, for the rest of the summer and, um, you know, the, the financial burdens of that. So if you feel like you would like to help Um, please donate to the podcast and Bill will um, send those my way. And and those are tax deductible donations as well. Um, I also have a a personal Venmo. It's at Britster Hartley. If you go to my personal Facebook page online, um, my friend is running all of that as far as, you know, meals and what my Venmo is or how to help. And I, I'm right now just talking to her and uh, she's sweet enough to uh, kind of manage the offers of help, which are, are so overwhelming and I'm so grateful for. And I update her every day or two as far as um, any needs that my family has at this time as, as my husband and I spend most of our time at the hospital. So I am, I'm grateful for this community. I'm grateful that I have a place to process this with people who um, have been in tough places too, who can hold me in that space. I'm grateful for Bill, who's um, 
you know, always been a great friend and, and really um, walking this with me and able to do whatever I need to do, willing to do whatever I need to do to focus on my family. So goodbye for now for the summer and, um, and Bill will post links to, um, if you, if you'd like to help and donations to the podcast are great. Um, Bill will make sure that those get to me as well. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss you guys. I'm gonna miss these conversations. Um, but this is what my family needs and, and I'm really, um, grateful that Bill is going to carry on without me because these conversations are not just for fun, are not just a little side gig that you do, um, you know, on a Sunday where you maybe have 20 minutes of spiritual time. These these conversations have restabilized my life so that I feel I could feel like I can go through and make it through real life, which is sometimes a lot of suffering. So much love from me, and I hope to be with you soon, probably at the the end of the summer or the fall. And uh, much love from me. I can't even wrap this up because I'm just gonna I'm gonna miss you guys so much. This has been my adult conversation time um, when my kids are at school, and I've I've really loved the conversations that I've had with Bill and and in um, interacting with you people in the audience, and I've found. Um, clients that who have resonated with me and you know I get to meet them and um, hopefully offer words of wisdom and it's just been such a good thing in my life also side note if you are a client of mine um, I will be taking time off for the summer as well but I'll check in with you all in the fall bye from bye from me and and love from me bye this has been another almost awakened episode Check us out at almostawakened.org, where you can check out past episodes, make a donation to keep this podcast running, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nonsensespirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director, Brittany Hartman.